0: You are listening to Natural Born Alchemist. Welcome to episode number 39 of the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. My name is Alex and I'll be your host. In episode 34, you heard a podcast I did during an alchemy congress in Amsterdam earlier this year. And what you will hear now is another podcast from that very same event. But this one was done after everyone had left, so it was only Salasius and myself. And Salasius you would have heard in episode 24. Anyway, we sat in the sun on a rooftop in central Amsterdam and had a very nice conversation that I have decided to call Gold and Silver. Okay, so now I'm sitting on a rooftop in Amsterdam and it's a very sunny day in May and I'm sitting here with Salasius, my alchemical friend and uh, we are going to talk about, uh, I don't know, because we have not decided this will be a free flow uh, episode about different ideas and concepts
1: So, Salasius, what, what do you have to say? Hello, here is Salasius Um, We decided that after the Congress, we would like podcast in freestyle, completely freestyle. We don't exactly know what will come uh, during this discussion, but um, for now we are just enjoying the sun. And I think that we will probably will not have a formal discussion. It's uh, completely um informal what comes whatever comes and uh maybe i hadn't the idea to to talk about uh, uh the concept of gold for example uh, the concept of gold is something that we generally relate to to metal i mean the metal like the value of gold and its uh condensed light But actually when you consider it as a broader concept uh, maybe you can find it in several kingdoms and gold is present in different kind um, of life form in a way let's start with for example the concept of gold in the mineral kingdom mineral kingdom is the metal of course gold as it's, as it is used uh, as money, as uh, like uh, like values and uh, jewelries. Uh, it's um, it's mostly what comes first when we think about uh, the philosopher's stone. Uh, we make gold, we make money, we. Uh, but actually, it's the concept of gold is like pushing the evolution of a very crude metal like ancient al- alchemists said that mercury was the first emanation of metals and uh, the extreme the extreme opposite to mercury is gold so in a way the philosopher's stone is a gold by itself but a gold multiplied in quality and gold can give its body in order to make an orientation of this universalized stone or universalized matter and give its body to make like augmentation. An augmentation, um, it acts like a salt. And in a way, it's uh, subject to transformation and even evolution. Um, If the philosopher's stone is also a gold, it's because it's higher than gold. It's higher than gold because it goes through a whole process of coction and evolution colors, black, green, white and red, or purple, depending and this cycle by itself says it all I mean, gold is not immortal as we could imagine it's just a state of stability a first state of stability that the metal can reach uh, and avoid oxidation like death or falling apart and this is the concept of gold what is gold it's something that is not able to be putrefied by natural exposition to elements not like iron that will rust for example and if we just go with this simple concept in other kingdoms we can just see like amber in the vegetable kingdom amber is just like resin of pine and it's fossilized but it's not really fossilized in the sense that we can imagine it's not a stone it's uh, just very stable uh, it's hard it can burn of course it's uh there's less density than i than than gold ba- metallic metallic gold but the concept of non putrefaction by natural elements is really present in amber so we can imagine that for example the tech wood which is used um to make furnitures out teak tech, teak tech wood um, is a kind of gold also so If we try to find something in the animal kingdom, uh, which is related to gold, we can point at the bees. The bees are very solar insects and they create beeswax and honey. And honey, we have found honeys archaeologists in some Egyptian tombs that were still edible after... 3,000 years so it's a kind of gold also it's yes I just want to say something about the honey I recently have this theory
0: that because when I was in the Amazon my girlfriend wanted to get pregnant so we asked the shamans if they could give us a potion and they gave us a potion to drink every one cup every day and it had a a lot of honey taste in it there were other things but the base was honey and then i was and and she got pregnant on the first try uh, right away like it was very like su- successful and then i was thinking about uh, the word honeymoon because in the old days when you were m- married you went on a honeymoon but but the reason for thi- oh shit <laughs> the these days is about going on a holiday but in the old days it was about making the child Because you were not allowed to have sex Before you were married mm-hmm. So in the honeymoon you were making the child yeah. And in the old days they also gave a, a teaspoon of honey For like 30 days That's the honeymoon Like one moon of honey yeah. So uh, it is also Perhaps like The source of uh, m- Creating life
1: Yes absolutely Um I think that traditions are really speaking when it comes to very simple things like this and we can always relate to some tri- kind of alchemical concepts or hermetics uh natural one um there's also this idea that as you stated uh honey or gold concept is bringing with it like fertility Fertility, life, some kind of nourishment. Uh, and it seems that maybe Hamber has this same concept of fertilizing the place where it is just by being in the ground or acting on certain concept exactly like when we eat honey to be uh to to, to give birth or all this stuff. Um, and we can also try to imagine the concept of gold inside the man itself on the physical level uh, gold could be seen as earwax it has some golden colors of course it's a wax it's a bit like beeswax but uh, it's it's um, having some anti-fungus properties, uh, it kills viruses and bacterias. Um, it has this protective action into the ear. And I think that for after making some researches, there's no alchemist uh, in ancient texts that speaks about uh, earwax. I only found one kind of alchemist or chemist that did some research on earwax. It's uh, Homburg. And he made some distillations of it and separated the principles just for the analysis. And that's that's all, actually. So if one would like to make, uh, like, spagerics, he could work on his hair I- wax I think it's a new concept in a way <laughs> what about the kingdom of the fungi is it Amanita muscaria who wishes the gold in that kingdom well it's um, I think that uh, for uh, psychotropics uh, it's a bit different maybe it's more an affair of consciousness than just a body um, for example, the truffles we experimented with are very golden in color. They have really gold color, co- colors. And um, uh, can we say the name of it? Yeah, uh, it's Tempelandia, psilocibe Psy- Psy- Tampelandia truffles. And they are called like Hawaiian eyes. And uh, basically what you experience, the world of the of the mushroom is completely golden with like fractals and rainbows everywhere but it's always on a background of golden color so maybe there is a state for certain entities or having their bodies as as truffles or mushrooms that are in the golden gold golden principle um we were speaking about metals yesterday night and um we were saying that there is a whole scale of evolution for metals from mercury to gold and we could imagine that it's exactly the same for um, hallucinogenic plants like there is some very weak and very crude plants having a lower consciousness and some that have, like, an enormous consciousness. And you were saying, Alex, that it's... Sometimes it's like an ant making the evocation of an elephant. And <laughs> um, can you maybe elaborate on your feeling about this? Uh, you experience it. You mean the,
0: the, the spirit of the psychedelic itself, the, yes. g- the vastness? Yeah, it's like... Uh, I always view the truffles as as children, but they're still older than me like but they in comparison to the spirits of ayahuasca and Iboga, they seem like children and uh they're playful and they might uh, help you attain wisdom in a playful way, like uh, on the truffles I've seen teachings about myself and laughed. But on the ayahuasca, I seen teachings about myself, and I cried. It's kind of like this kind of it's it's more harder wisdom with ayahuasca to to handle. But uh, the truffles is a very good place to start, you know. And then you when one when you can handle that, if you do ayahuasca, it's easier, I think, because I went straight to ayahuasca and kind of I wasn't prepared. But also that can also work for some people. I mean, uh, either way, they all have um, different uh, uh, properties. I mean, you can use them for different things, and uh, in either case, uh, it doesn't really matter because it's how much you bring to it. So if you have a problem and you you drink ayahuasca or take truffles, the problem's not going to go away. It doesn't cure the problem. It's just like helps you get rid of the problem like an ally you know like um, it's not an instant cure but it's like uh, gives you the power to do whatever change you want to do about yourself or some insights you know so the better the ayahuasca or the truffle work it's how much work you put into it so if you don't if you just eat it and don't do anything then it will just be a colorful experience you know it won't it won't give you anything so the more you work the more it works with you the less you work after a while it forgets about you like Mm. I don't waste my time with that person anymore you know this is kind of how I
1: feel yeah I understand yes um it's always like that you always have you can have some help but you need to work it out yourself and to there's no magic solution um you always have to do something and generally uh, it's been like this for several things in my life I've always learned that even if keys are given to you you still have to rewrite them in order to your And conscious or subconscious mind and uh, your life to integrate this because you have to make it your own. Um, It's exactly like the same concept of gold, for example. If you want to eat gold, like metallic one, then you need to you You will not have the possibility to ingest gold by itself it it's not available, and for your body and your body cannot make it available for you. You have to work it and to rise it or to smoother its molecules in a way, not atoms because I consider atoms like molecules because if you can break. A metal into principles it means that the atom is, is itself a molecule in a way so you have to extract its its available part and what is biologically available and to make it your own but even by just ingesting it you still have to process it because sometimes it's not working or it's not it's not it's um the body don't know what to do with it and uh, it's exactly the same th- the same thing with this help you get from higher entities, from psychedelics or even people in your life or books um, I wanted also to add something quickly about the gold concept um, the, the idea is to try to understand that everything is having gold inside even if it's not revealed. Uh if I remember well it's uh Paracelsus that shown like <laughs> some shit on in a dish and to his students and he was saying he, he told them this is the secret and of course they were just like what he is telling us it's completely insane and and of course they were not able to see what was in this shit. <laughs> so of course sometime you have to understand that everything is bearing inside a gold principle. Um some alchemists said that that I I know on forums for example, they said that it's not possible to make the stone out of urine because you it's it's not useful for your body, so it goes out and and it's uh just good for uh making like saltpeter or something or fertiliser plants but actually if if you know the name of like the kind of surname or nickname of pea it's golden water and so there's gold in it maybe not as gold as everybody understands it, but has a principle, a life principle. A lot of people drink with Amaroli, and their, their pee, and uh, it seems to have some virtues in it. But imagine if you process this urine and uh, you can extract the gold in it. Well, it's in this case, it's enhanced, of course. Um, if, for example, you you extract any kind of so-called sulfur principle from any kind of plant fixed or volatile, we could say it's gold principle. So they all have their gold, and gold is not only on on one scale. Uh, It's always evolving. Even if it's fixed at one stage of evolution at a certain time, you can still re gold leaves for example and make it putrefy and having a stone out of it for example you can use gold calcs or yes gold leaves, gold ingolds depending on the method and you can always enhance gold itself again and again and again, it's the multiplication process so it means that you can make evolve anything that grows anything that leaves you can make evolve your own gold proce- your gold uh, principle like consciousness principle which is truly immortal and fixed because if you think that gold itself as the highest form of gold it's completely immortal then you can ask yourself what is immortal in myself Um, and trying to find this goal in yourself what is immortal and giving life and what is your consciousness because if you try to see wrinkles on your consciousness (laughs) you won't find some and if you just make like a jnana yoga which is a question yoga it's a mental mental practice that asks questions and like koans in zen idea is to make a bug in your mental system and to completely stop it because at the time that your mental just get um, completely confused it's stopping itself there's a stop button and you need to reach it and of course every kind of um, manifested form is not the spiritual gold by itself because it can reincredite die and live again under another form so this gold inside is consciousness it's immortal it's silent it's full of life and um, we have to associate life to consciousness simply because for life to be it has to be in a way and for being to be it has to be alive so aliveness and beingness are both one and the same thing I don't know what do you think about it Alex no I don't have any disagreements
0: about that but it made me also think about maybe at the center of the galaxy at the I don't know what it's called but the center yeah. uh, where it's very light maybe there's like a tiny like pure gold planet
1: ah yeah yeah it's a good idea actually uh we we're speaking uh, recently about uh, all the central line and the dot into the forms of matter and in the hermetic vision we have several layers that comes together in order to form nature and we have the cycle for example cycle has winter spring summer and fall we have densities like the highest akashic plane for example and we have on the other hand the physical plane in kabbalah they use the four worlds um Adzilut, Bria, um, Yatzira and Asia which are generally associated to fire, air, water and earth. And uh, we could say that there's also like signatures in, in nature, like nettles uh, or cactus are linked with Mars, for example instead um, instead some other like gold is like linked with gold and the sand, for example so these are the signatures and we also have the composition of matter with salt, mercuries, sulfur which can be or volatile or fixed and we have the shapes which are the, tru- the basic structure of nature and they are construct with the comp- composition principles in nature sulfur etc and they are designed and signed with energies and everything fits together with also densities so there are several worlds with different kinds of densities Um, that we could not see because for example we are right now vibrating too low to perceive the highest vibration rhythms that could be like exactly in the same place that we are now and to the reverse we are maybe vibrating too high for another kind of world which is extremely dense and we cannot really perceive it and they cannot perceive us but they maybe are here also, who knows. So we're speaking about the central dot, like in the center of the galaxy, as you said, and with this kind of tiny planet of gold, and the central lines also. For example, in human body, the central line is the spine. And for a tree, there's a central line for... The trunk and the going to the roots, and spreading as branches. And there's a central line in the leaves. There's a central line when you cut an apple into, in a banana, in every fruits and nuts, and animals. And there's a central dot for the planet. There's a central point for the galaxy. There's a central point for the universe itself because it has to be structured. On into or a line or a central dot. It's it's pure logic when you see it through the hermetic eyes for example, because it, it cannot be otherwise. Its nature works and organizes itself on a certain way. So your idea of a gold, plant, golden planet or gold planet in the center is a good idea I think uh, or physically or even you know more physio- philosophically we could see it as a dot a of consciousness because seemingly there's always on the central line consciousness going up and down depending of the season and the flux of the sap universal sap it could be like Kundalini Shakti Kundalini this is our sap and or simply for trees if you want to talk to a tree you will not look at him to the trunk, for example you will look at him at the top of the tree because it's far more logical to find consciousness on the fire extremity in a way, so at the top and maybe if you want to talk to a tree when it's winter, maybe it's better to talk to him directly <laughs> to the roots <laughs> so it's exactly the same thing for uh, animals and uh, insects there's a place for consciousness Uh, even if it's spreading all around your body you can feel your finger toes right now but it's not at that place that uh, there's the most so called density of consciousness in a way if we can use this kind of term but um, I think that There's always like intermediary suns or dots of consciousness. For example, all the stars in our uh, galaxies are under the center of the galaxy itself. And maybe our galaxy is just a simple, small dot of dust of consciousness inside the whole, whole universe. And the universe itself is probably as I stated before organized with a central dot where there is most quantity and density of gold principle or consciousness and probably this is what we generally commonly define as a Buddha state or Christ state, we transcend the lowest sense that are just Ladders uh, to reach a higher level um, there is a progression in reaching higher states of consciousness and if we as humans are like small pieces of dust on earth then you can imagine how, how much conscious could be stars and galaxies and the whole universe itself The whole universe itself is spreading its consciousness everywhere but it's it's maybe not in in here in this planet that there is most consciousness it's uh, somewhere else at the center and the game is to reach the center so for this you have to kind of make yourself available like biologically available for the highest consciousness system for him to, to be able to swallow you and to integrate you. So if a gold leaf stays as a gold leaf, there's no chance for your body to, to extract its gold principle or its sulfur or its consciousness. It has to be worked to be made available. But it's not this central consciousness that will work on you directly because it's not moving it's a Sun we turn around it it's not otherwise if, if if ever this consciousness moves it loses its state of Sun central Sun like immobility complete stillness so we have to go to it we have to make the journey to this higher consciousness and as i was saying we have to make ourselves available which means that we need to destroy the veils that are keeping us from reaching and diving into this consciousness we have to rise erase sorry erase all these ideas that we have about ourselves self like i am A man I am uh, 30 years old I am French Um, I don't have for example (laughs) I don't I don't don't speak perfectly English (laughs) and all these attachments and uh, identifications we have to remove them even if gold gold as a principle is still something that we could define because we can't define consciousness as something Um, in our mind we can't define it as something we can still try to imagine what it would be like to to work on on ourselves to erase all these veils that are keeping us from reaching a higher state and you could ask why should I do this why I'm very happy with what I am now and uh, I don't necessarily need to go to this highest consciousness but actually generally when we are going into a spiritual path it's because we have some troubles in our lives or we had some troubles in past lives and we are wanting for we are Craving for the origin, for the truth, in a way. So it's it's kind of natural process. Um, you can't force yourself. Uh, I guess that you, Alex, you had this inner. Um, you wanted to reach something. You 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 had questioned probably. Um, and you naturally had this spiritual path you you told me recently that you were if if we could look at your journey there is always a central line that guides everything and for you it's like the King Harters history can you tell us yes
0: it's uh, when I was very little like uh, five years old or six years old I discovered the uh, Arthurian Legends movies and you know you, when you're a child you like knights and princesses and dragons and all this stuff but I really liked the uh, King Arthur Legend and there was a movie made in the early 80s called Excalibur who, which is one of my favorite movies still to this day and it tells the King Arthur Legend using Richard Wagner music and it's um it's uh it's very good it it give it gave me the love of the mystery uh like the you know wondering about things that are not physical like because I've grown up in a very I mean in, in the most atheistic country in the world and very science based and uh, uh like uh, the spiritual thing is not part of society where I was living But um, the King Arthur legends gave me this spiritual love of the spiritual because the Holy Grail is a spiritual thing, it's a spiritual quest when they're looking for it and especially in the movie where when they actually find the Holy Grail, uh, where it's it's hidden, is actually with King Arthur so they f- they find the grail where in the place where it was lost, you know, like so it w- is this journey of the self more than anything you know he didn't find it somewhere in some cave or anything it, it was in his house all the time, <laughs> and uh if you studied the Arthurian legend, you naturally eventually end up reading about alchemy some way <laughs> or another, at least that was the case for me uh but another thing uh, uh, with this gold uh, then there must be a place if like the brain or the consciousness is the fire of the body and it's the gold and uh, the crown of the tree is the gold of the tree is there do you think a place on this planet that's the gold of the
1: planet my guess is that as we said there's gold everywhere but sometimes it's really hidden and we could see that some of the most spiritual countries are generally some of the poorest countries and there's a spirituality there for hundreds of years and centuries and centuries Sometimes gold is hidden under some craps, <laughs> and I, I'm thinking about India, for example. India is just so full of life and full abs- of absolutely everything, but it's also a country where death is very present. You can see people, dead people, burning on the river, on the Ganges, or people don't even notice when someone is dead or you know it's very very special there's I, I think that it's one of the concept of life and death and the gold on this planet maybe it's acting on the consciousness of the people that live there I mean the sun is shining for everyone but it's shining on you even if you're being born just being born of or it's still shining on your corpse even if you just die so um, i guess that india could be a good place yeah and and uh one of my
0: ayahuasca visions i uh, i had a vision of a it looked like a a p- past life but talking about it yesterday with you all it probably was a future life and it was when I was uh, saw myself as starving to death in Ethiopia and most people when they think about reincarnation they think like uh, I was a thief and I do good and then the next life I become like a lawyer and I do very good, very kind person and the next life I become Tom Cruise you know like you uh, improve with each life like more comfort easier life or whatever but actually if it doesn't matter how good I do in this life if I'm like Jesus helping everybody and spreading love it would still not be a punishment to in my next life starve to death because in the life after this one I will be more initiated than if I would have had an easy life in fact an easy life would probably be like a punishment <laughs> so because uh, like with the ayahuasca the the most hardcore difficult experiences were the greatest initiations so uh, this has changed for me because before I thought more about reincarnation as linear like you improve you start as a stone then you become a dog then you become a human then then you become Jesus but it's actually you know to become Jesus you probably have to starve to death
1: first yes exactly um I think that as you said, pain, suffering, um, starving, limitation is one of the most initiatory thing that we can find in this dualistic matrix. Because in order to have an above, you need a below. In order to have light, you need darkness. In order to be, to be happy you need to go through suffering in order to have you need to have some losses and they are just on the continuum in a way there's no good, no bad Um, you sometimes have to do something so called bad to make some good uh for example yesterday tommy with was with us and he had a call from someone he knows and this one someone tried to catch a mice uh a mouse sorry uh in an office or in a room and inventor la uh, really, uh, invent- yeah involuntarily. <laughs> involuntarily thank you (laughs) so he hurted it and he had to kill it in order to stop his suffering so some people will say killing is bad but actually sometimes it helps to not suffer um it's not a paradox it's just the way nature works um we sometimes have to do bad things to make good things and sometimes we try to make good things and actually they are just like catastrophes and we don't exactly know how things turn on Um, I always think about this uh, old Chinese story there is a farmer and uh, he has a horse and the horse just uh, vanished one night so the neighborhood says oh it's terrible you lost your own richness and uh, it's really terrible and the farmer says well we will see and the day after the horse come back but but with a second horse so he had he won he won something and the son of the farmer tries to domesticate the second horse and he fall down during the process and he break his leg and the son was the only child of the farmer so he could not help him to go to uh, cultivate and uh, help him in the farm so all the neighbors said oh my god it's terrible Uh, how will you do and uh, um, and the farmer says well we will see and there's war in the country but all the young guys go to war but not his son because he has a broken leg so it's always working like this you don't really know what will happening all things will end up maybe seeking the stone could be a terrible error maybe it could be terrible It's kind of like what you just said. It's kind of like what
0: many religious people see as the will of God. Can't really just complain about it. It, it will happen no matter what. You know, it is what it is. Uh, but I was thinking when you talked to earlier, we talked about this, that pain and suffering is lo- low, thi- very low things, are how you initiate into high things, and. Uh, it's also a simplified version of that's why to make gold that's why in alchemical text or the most mainstream slogan is you make lead you make gold out of lead you know, which is the lowest yeah so the lead is the pain and suffering and the gold is the the peace
1: yes there is this experience of several masters that had enlightenment uh they all have their story about enlightenment, and uh, if I remember well, it's um, Ramana Maharshi that had an enlightenment because he was just like fearing death, and he lied down on the floor and uh, had this revelation: "What will die?" And he awoken some others like Eckhart Tolle for example had this very tough life and they were stuck completely stuck in their life and because of this terrible pain they awaken so generally we need the contrast of suffering and pain in order to reveal like a manstruum would do on a plant, an alchemist would do like on metals, or it will reveal the quintessence. Um, awakening is not constructing things, uh, revealing gold is not constructing things, it's generally it's destroying at first, and the main part is destroying. Um, It's not going on holidays. You just have to kill all parts of yourself that are not sustaining the gold principle. Um, Of course, it's not an easy journey. um, But it has to be done at some time. You could ask why. Simply because it's nature of nature itself. (laughs) It's uh it cannot be otherwise uh, if we could say so. it's a principle, life principle. Um It's always coming back to consciousness or to the gold principle. It's always all forms change and everything ends up on consciousness or the gold principle. This is what remain at the end because it's uh the indestructible part. So to speak, life itself cannot die because it's life. And because being is in the present moment, there is no time, there is no space. And if there is no duality like time-space, it's unreachable by any form of destruction. It's completely out of this game. This is mostly what Zen people teach it's a very simple teaching but very hard to put into practice and consciousness is often related to the sun itself for example because it's an idea that we can reach with our mind at first when it's winter there is no consciousness so to speak and when spring comes everything bloom and goes into life is revealed to the world eventually everything goes dry when there's too much sun during the summer and when it goes back again to a dormant state fall all there's all this destruction of the forms of life but the sun is still present we moved from it And
0: in fact, uh, in the winter, we're closest to the sun. So it really has nothing to do with us, our position either. So I always thought that was interesting that it gets colder
1: the closer we get. Yeah, it's uh, the hemisphere. Yes, that's balanced uh, from closer to to the less close position and um, we could maybe explore some lunar uh, concept if, if the sun is a consciousness or like daily consciousness we could say that or the presence that validates things in a way or just light them and light them we could say that the silver principle or is the moon or the unconscious principle. We don't have a direct access to it because it's not, it's reflected. The light of the sun is reflected during moon. And it's an interesting concept to, to meditate on this moon, um, on this moon archetype especially my first encounter with this concept was when i was younger like many of us maybe was in like werewolves films and vampires films some creatures of the night but what is exactly night and what is exactly the moon what do they have to do together um we could say that true night is true darkness there is no moon principle in it so it's completely unconscious because light principle is the consciousness principle analogically we could imagine that in this case when there is consciousness in unconsciousness so the moon the full moon shining in the dark in the dark sky all the most unconscious forms get destroyed by the moon principle. This is probably why silver is killing vampires or silver bullets or silver uh, arrows, um, like in the Blade movies, for example, they use all this silver stuff and arms and uh, all this, sil- yeah, to kill vampires.
0: And it's also well respected research and statistical knowledge that uh, crime increase at the full moon when the moon is strongest and the word uh, lunatic you know lunacy comes from the moon so it does affect makes us a bit more crazy and I know myself when there's a full moon I always have insomnia when it happens
1: yes Um, the moon principle is also linked with the tides because uh, when I speak when I'm speaking about tides I speak about all kind of fluctuating cycle and there is some of course oceans tides but there is also some earthy tides for example Paris is uh, the tide of Paris is like Forty centimeters which means that the Eiffel Towers is on the wave of earth two times a day and it goes up and down of 40 centimeters each time so um, it's like when you have a carpet and there's dirt on it so you shake it and ultimately it creates waves on it and the tides work a bit like this so maybe all the dirt in our consciousness or subconsciousness is just like on the carpet of our being and the moon just shakes it a bit so the most crazy people (laughs) have a more sensitive uh, pattern uh, to the moon effect and maybe the tide is also psychic but ultimately everything that goes up must go down and this is the moon principle the sun principle is absolutely m- silent and completely centered and the moon principle is the first emanation of cycle movement being a satellite turning around having cycles this is the very first archetypes that gives the seasons s- philosophically speaking to everything that leaves and of course it's linked with the unconscious mind so we could say that in a way we are the production or we are in the subconscious mind of God the so called that manifestation and nature is just like acting on the subconscious things because we are not in the centered area, we are not in the consciousness area which is uh, the center of the universe that central point so so to speak we are this always moving, changing forms. We are inside the body, but the body is for psychotherapists also an emanation of the subconscious mind of the person. Some some people somatize all the illnesses and blockages in their mind by somatizing illnesses. And we could imagine our world like somatization of our own subconscious mind but also more generally like the subconscious mind of God so we are all a dream but something linked of course with consciousness but not directly, we are reflected light of consciousness like moon reflects the sun's moon the sun's light sorry and uh, physically uh,
0: our planet in the Milky Way is kind of like in the suburbs in the ghetto you know we're very far from the city center so uh, maybe we start here
1: and move further in hopefully (laughs) hopefully there is always seemingly a um, A perfect position for life to to sprout. For example, we can see that our planet is like standing on its axis when it's spring or fall. And our planet is just exactly at the same place, just between the extreme suburb, like would you would say in our solar system. It's just between like the centre and the suburb we are just between both because there is a zone of neutral forces we could see the solar system from an hermetic point of view like the sun first in the center not moving at all it's the axis, central point and the sun emits the first time, a first planet which is its first moon but it could be Saturn if we imagine that Saturn is on the extreme but there's another kind of planet that will come and will push away Saturn and they will all sprout out of the Sun in in this order and then we get an equilibrium perfect equilibrium and from this life can sprout because there is a continuum between like super consciousness in the center and very low consciousness or deep unconsciousness uh, in the Saturn zone. And in between we have the opportunity to go to super consciousness or to go into unconsciousness as we wish to. Uh, we do as we want. There is nothing that forces us to evolve in a way. But So this equilibrium is also maybe good for the whole solar system inside the galaxy or maybe just in between because at a higher scale it's a good place to be just to have life sprout and I was saying about the planet on its axis that it's standing on its axis during fall or spring and it's just the right exposition to sunlight for to have the good heat not too low not too high for life to sprout seemingly there's always life coming out of equilibrium in some some sort uh.
0: yeah and uh, the uh, it's the sun that's the goal of our solar system but consciously isn't the earth more conscious than the sun but maybe not Depends on what level you're speaking about, I guess. Animal-wise it is, but maybe not energy-wise. If you Depends on what archetype you're looking at. But um, I know this thing that if you meditate, the best thing to meditate... Uh, the best moment to meditate is when the sun rises and when it sets and then at when it's strongest at noon. And I can't remember who, but some guy in ancient times, he he did this every day, meditated in these three points and he didn't have to sleep much or eat much like he got a lot of energy from just uh, being present when the Sun was most present because these days with electricity uh, we don't really need the Sun
1: yes um, there is a tradition in uh, Kriya yoga that it's based on re equilibrating all energies in the day with your yoga routine, and when the set sun rises and when it's at the top of the journey of of the day, and uh, when it's setting again, and when it's also completely in the underworld, so to speak, they did some special exercises like kriya pranayama, or uh, Mahamudra or Shambhavi Mudra, Kachari Mudra—they are all kind of techniques that use energy. Uh, some, like Mahamudra and Kriya Pranayama, are making the cycle of um, energetical sun in uh, all along your spine, and it goes through all the states of consciousness of your body. Because as above, so below, so you have a whole. solar system in your chakras and making this is like accelerated evolution of your own energies and consciousness because it goes through all the seasons and all the cycles and they were seemingly very successful doing this and some of them had not to breathe during these exercises because when the prana is transmuted into the blood there's a kind of replacement of oxygen on on the red blood blood cells and it's prana instead so they could be completely wired to a higher spiritual self that were giving them life instead of just breathing ester- external hair and also during meditation moments some masters have their heart that stops could imagine that the heart is a gold for example um, it is a kind of gold it is like the sacred heart of jesus and maria they are kind of gold but they are gold on a certain level they are gold for the energetic system like astral system Uh, the consciousness in the head is gold for the highest system So you have like we said previously several kinds of suns and several kinds of gold and consciousness that all works at their level and they all need to be activated so they are all create a link between them between themselves and they recreate the link up to the central consciousness central gold which could possibly also link to a kind of central sulfur Um, so spiritual path in a way needs to activate all these golds all these centers of life And you cannot have an energetic system that works properly if you have not an energetic heart which is beating in your chest. And it's exactly the same principle with Hanuman, the god, the monkey god. When he opens his chest, he reveals Brahma and Sita, which are both principles united like shakti and shiva and they are together in his heart which means that the lunar fluid and the solar fluids in his body are circulating like in a machinery and it's like oil and gas oil in a way so the heart is a motor and you need to to light this motor in order to make a flux and only when there is flux your sap begins to make your life to blossom and to to bloom and you can have flowers so chakras can open and you can have a superior can kind of life we have physical bodies we believe that we are alive but actually we are not on a certain level, on the upper level, we're not alive at all. We're just like corpse moving around and everything is just a corpse because it's not energetically and spiritually alive. There's no heart beating in it, even if it's just physical. When I speak about heart, it's like compassion, uh, because when it's working, the fire inside the heart, it's love and compassion um i would maybe not love because it's higher than that it's more a joy a complete joy and bliss um it's really radiating it's really has a fire we could imagine that love is more linked and particularly to to water or something like attachment or but no it's it's uh, more a fire it's completely radiating and um life is just circulating perfectly into your your energetic system after that you have cleansed it and this is why there are two initiations in the internal alchemy system that i am developing which is based on several traditions but basically it's based on yoga Um, there is a lunar initiation with the lunar fluid that some call the Soma and it's this liquid is extremely cold and very wet and it drips from a chakra on the top of the head not the crown chakra it's uh, on the back of the head just uh, a little bit below the Sahasrara chakra or crown chakra and when it's activated you, you can feel that all your nadis are just flooded with this very very cold liquid and it's dissolving every kind of mucus astral mucus or karma seeds it washes everything away and you have to repeat the practice up to the point that your all your organs or your cells have been washed away with this and after you have done this which is the baptism uh, initiation you have to be anointed and this is a solar initiation and the solar initiation is to the contrary to the lunar initiation is very hot and very dry and when you feel this liquid coming from your arna, it's like burning, extremely burning. It dries off all the lunar water. And it burns what it has to be burned. Um, Water cannot sometimes dissolve everything, like in spagyrics. At first, you extract your matter with a menstruum, which could be like the lunar initiation of the plant. And then after you burn it, you make ashes, and when the all fire resistant things stay well it's pure it's pure there's nothing to be left to be purified because it's completely fireproof Um, so we do exactly the same thing with our lunar and solar system and when the body is completely washed and so-called philosophically burned we can have this enlightenment of the of the heart in the chest and you can feel this compassion rising and ultimately you can stay with this level of life you upgrade to a new life and I think that we should see this context out of culture and out of religious conceptions. It's not that Maria or Jesus are or Anuman God are preaching it. They're just showing us a principle. And we have to separate the culture aspect from the natural aspect that is enclosed in every kind of living being. So basically, uh, even a tree... Could have this kind of life. Maybe, it's, maybe like psilocybe or ayahuasca have this higher level of life because they are energetically activated, and probably there is again another activation to an an upgrading level, um, and it it will work probably in the same way. Uh, lunar initiation, solar initiation then triggering triggering your machinery with your heart at another level and basically the cycles of life are based on these kind of initiations Uh, we can always imagine that because it is as such in our small microcosm it can be the same at uh, a galactic level or even at for the whole universe and all the of and all the other universe that were present before our universe. So yeah, so we
0: we've been talking about gold and silver and um this energy Central fire, central force of your being, um, I see it as always present, but when you become enlightened, you unite with it, so you always have it there, but maybe many people don't know it's there and uh, there's this saying that if you uh, if you want to hear God or whatever you want to call it, speak, you have to be silent. Because if, you, if you're speaking and rambling on, uh, it's quiet. But if you quiet your mind, you can start to notice its presence. And uh, maybe this is why there's a, an expression in Sweden that people use, but they don't really think about what they mean when they say it. And it, it, the expression goes, to speak is silver, to be silent is gold. So those will
1: be my final words. Do you have any Um, yeah you're right that if you want to hear God in a way you have to be silent and this concept of silence can be seen also as emptiness but emptiness is not always what we can imagine Um, there is chemical emptiness and there is philosophical emptiness for example to a menstruum to get all the sulfur from a plant it needs to be completely empty but the menstruum itself is a molecule it's uh, it's full of itself in a way but it's just on the scale of emptiness some menstruums are just like more empty than others and some have more capacities to reach the sulfur of other kind of matters because their emptiness and the body of their emptiness is extremely strong and very dense they're not just extremely volatile so for the very dense matters for let's say again gold or silver we probably need to have a very maybe sweet because it will not kill the what it has to be extracted but very empty and having the relative capacity to be very close from this matter very close from it otherwise it's it cannot reach it and if ever we would like to enhance this principle that we have extracted maybe we could we could make pass this sulfur from one menstruum to another and ultimately gold itself or well, the gold principle we extracted will become extremely volatile or it will have even more volatility less body in a way, it, we could imagine that the salt on which the principle, the sulfur principle, is attached to, is a kind of menstruum, but it's very dry, and it was, and very dry and very dense and very fix. So, from something very dry and very fix, with all the different states of the menstruum, we can make it rise and climb all this ladder uh, up to the top but we always need mediums and a scale of different densities and different emptiness so i don't know what you think about it no i I don't have anything to add
0: it uh, makes sense to me and uh, it uh, it's like combining the practical alchemical processes with more spiritual philosophical processes and uh, they feed off each other so um, when you're working with these uh, laboratory processes they mirror the spiritual development and uh, I think maybe this is what many alchemists who only focus on one of them, the practical or the spiritual, they miss the other one a bit. You don't have to be like a full-on laboratory alchemist, but just reading and thinking about those uh, laboratory experiments or processes can help you as a metaphor to understand what they mean when they say the same thing spiritually. Because you always seem to be talking about lab work, but I'm only hearing spiritual application, so it's like for you you use both,
1: yes, yes, I use both um I had the the chance to have my attention uh on the non dualistic path, and after Well, during these studies, reading books about non-duality and uh, spirituality, I was very interested in the silent mind and meditation and being centered, very conscious. But ultimately, when you meet all these principles in the lab, you are just having exactly the same principles at play they are just they do not lie sometimes you do not trust people um, because they are human and they have their point of view and um, and I used to say and some other also say that uh, matter never lie so you can be sure of what is happening in your lab it's so called true in a way because it's working And we could also say that the one who is right in alchemy is the one who succeeds, because there's a proof. It's undeniable that if you put mercury upon a sulfur and they both mix, well, it worked. So, of course, you can always enhance the experience, like removing... Removing some parts of the mercury like to be make it even more empty and To be more available and to be more universal to any kind of matters so ultimately this is the ultimate alchemist or Ultimate mainstream that could extract everything Whatever it is dense or very very fragile So yes, I have both of these principles spiritual one and very material one but also there is this yoga part which is part of my uh, experience and uh, path that I try to combine with my understanding in the laboratory Uh, I was speaking about the Kriya Pranayama And it's exactly like circulating mercury inside a flask. It always goes up and cool and goes down and get hotter and uh, again and again and again. And ultimately, when you circulate something, it get it got fixed. Some, some, some matters just uh, lose their ability to be nitrous, so called, uh, like. When you use this nitre principle, it's a volatile principle and uh, the alkali is the fixed principle. So with circulation, you can also make some very fixed matter completely volatile. And this complete volatile matter fix again. Like reincarnation is like circulation until you get fixed. Yes, exactly. And uh, the Hebrew, I think, call this uh, the Gilgul, or it's a circulation of the souls. And ultimately, when the souls do not evolve up to certain times, like, I don't know, don't remember exactly, but like on 1,000 years, there's no evolution or no major evolution. The soul got recycled mm, to... Go again into the cycle and to evolve because it's useless to the mat to the matrix. It's useless, and what is useless, it's just put aside because there's no point to have it. I mean, the matrix is a big business, it's uh, an enormous business, and uh, we all have a part to play. It's sometime if you think about life as it goes um you can die and if you die you are you're no more present in this matrix you're no more part or very little maybe you feed some trees with your, your with your body but you're no more part of it so you don't play the game you're no more part of the business only what is useful to the business is inside the business and the matrix is Of this universe is extremely organized there's a hierarchy for everything and everything has its role to play and as soon as you stop playing your role well it's not that you you get erased but you are no more part of it so or it excludes you or you are excluding yourself from the matrix ultimately spiritually it's a bit what we are doing, even if the spiritual part is part of the game. It's like at the dinner table
0: when the children are excused when, you know, they, they they don't want to sit longer at the table, so the parents go, okay, you're excused, you can go play now. It's like that, so... Enlightenment is we're excused so we can go
1: somewhere else and play. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we could see it like that. Sometimes very simple situations in life are just full of of interesting concepts. It's even... Yeah, very, very ordinary situations can bring a perfect understanding of some very difficult concepts of life because some principles in this matrix are just bouncing and sprouting everywhere at the same time they're just living entities and like like, I don't know, Uh, things happens and like shit happens well, shit happens but it's sprouting here and there and there and over there and you know, it's an entity by itself that causes it and um, where would Take form, if not in the very dense place that we are in our universe, all archetypes have to get a body sometime. Well, not sometime, always have in fact. So, but maybe not always in the same time. Um, otherwise, all the soul form in the astral realm would just incarnate some crazy stuff, you know, and and. So, we were speaking about the unconscious and the body and uh, all this somatization of illnesses. And it's exactly the same principle here in in this uh, world. Um, We can imagine that it's very ordinary, but it's just life that goes on. And when I mean life, I mean archetypes that are also are present on a superior level that takes a body and interacts more densely with more limitations with other concepts otherwise when they are too high in vibration they cannot have this distance i mean they, they are in fusion energies like a continuum even if it's slightly differentiated it's not completely d- differentiated i mean you and i we are completely seemingly well we perceive it has differentiated we are not in the same body even though we are part of this matrix and this matrix is part of us also because we are this matrix
0: yeah and that's a good note to finish on I think we are the matrix and uh, so unless you have anything else to say thank
1: you for uh, talking to me thank you Alex it was a great pleasure
0: I found a very fitting song called Gold and Silver by Jim Dead that will close this episode. This is for me one of the great things doing these podcasts because I always discover new music. If you want to check out more of Jim Dead's stuff, check the program notes or just go to www.jimdead.com Freedom is in the mind.
2: Path, path of gold and silver Swept down to there's nothing more to find Stripped of all your history Your life's become a mystery You've left your past behind In some place north of here You can be everything mine They asked their friends to stand and deliver The river dried up and there was no place to drown A much-traveled road is intriguing But I know this journey's misleading my dear. I've been there In some place north of here I'll face my demons See every cloud is lined with silver. That's something I can never believe. But these myths are welcome distraction, and your tales get a passing reaction. You've been down too long Pick yourself up And find a new place Somewhere those friends you lost will find